My name is Carl Anthony, and I work in the automotive industry in Detroit. Sometimes that work encompasses future vehicle technology, and that's what we talk about here, for the most part anyway. This is AutoVision News Radio. How do we take complex technologies and make them digestible? Sarah Sargent was asking this question as a kid when she discovered a relentless curiosity around how things work and why. It's no surprise she grew up to become an engineer, and watching her parents work in the family business for years only solidified Sarah's belief that true value can be measured by how hard you work and how happy your customers are. Likewise, she believes that success in any arena relies on strong, clear communication and a mix of both formal and informal education. You may know Sarah from her extensive work at VSI Labs, but today she is a proud member of the Sense Media team, where she gets to put her skills and passions to work in the area of automotive she loves most, autonomous vehicles. Sarah is responsible for business development of both the in-cabin conference and the AutoSense Academy, and she joins us today on AutoVision News Radio. Sarah, welcome. Thank you so much, Carl. Thanks for having me. Sarah, you remember 2018, okay, so a few years ago, AutoSense Detroit, over on the Wayne State University campus, and you were there with VSI Labs, and I think that was the first time we had met, and that also happened to be the first time I ever took a ride in an autonomous vehicle, your VSI Labs Tesla, I believe it was. Yes, it was, and it was also my first time giving people demo rides in that Tesla. And I always thought you were so good at that, Sarah. I thought you were great at those ride and drives and displaying the technology and talking through the different systems. So that was a it was a great experience, and what is it now? You know, what, four or five years? later and here we are. Here we are. Sarah, tell us about your automotive career up until this point. Let's see. It all started back in 1987, just a month before the Twins defeat the Cardinals in the World Series when I was born. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're, you're from me. You're from the Twin Cities. Okay. So this, from- this sets the tone. <laughs> But uh, after high school, I became a store manager uh, in retail. I was making great money for an 18, 19 year old. I didn't think that would be my long term, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do yet. So kind of a funny origin story. I'm in my early 20s at a college party with some friends who happen to be in school for engineering. And I asked one of my friends, John, that's his real name, John. Right, Right, John, if you're listening, hello. (laughs) John is definitely listening. John, how does the internet work if you're so such a smart engineer? And he says, well, to answer that, we need to start with binary code. And so we did. So he taught me binary code on the spot at the party and then hexadecimal code. Then the next day we started on digital design. And that's when I decided to become an engineer. Fast forward, how did I get to automotive? Um, yeah. I was working as a project manager for an app development company who happened to build the um, portal for VSI Labs. Um, after I graduated, I went and worked for for VSI. So that's how I got connected there. And then at VSI, you know, I worked for Phil and he really gave me bandwidth, knowledge, and tons of encouragement to wear a lot of hats and try out new things. And I kind of love that juxtaposition with how we get from L0 cars to where we are today. You know, it's about that knowledge and encouragement to try try new things. Um, I think that's kind of fun. But anyway, so, you know, I was working in an office of 10 to 12 people where 
everyone is always excited and buzzing about the companies and the technologies for AVs. So it was really motivating, super infectious. And then we'd go to conferences, you know, half a dozen, at least a year, if not more, uh, where there were hundreds of people who were buzzing and passionate about autonomous vehicle technology. Absolutely loved working the booth, answering people's curious questions about AV technology. Of course, you know, like you mentioned, the demo rides may be the most fun part of the job. But I got to um, I got to manage some really cutting edge prototype projects like thermal pedestrian detection for automatic emergency braking, HD map based lane keeping. I got to be the safety driver quite a bit, but especially for a cross-country trip to discover areas where performance of certain driving applications would be less than adequate. So we could kind of discover gaps. I got to go on site for the range testing project of AI's IDAR. And so anyway, so I was was always working on something very cool and exciting. So you go from this uh, baseball to binary code to you and John are figuring out how the internet works and and everything. (laughs) You go to autonomous vehicles and you're working on all this cool stuff. And then you actually leave the automotive industry for a little bit, but you quickly realize that you miss it. So take us through that time, Sarah, you know, what were you thinking? And you know, what were you feeling when you realized that you missed working in automotive? Carl, such a hard-hitting question. Um, Yeah, so I mean, I went from a 12-person company to about a 100-person company, and I was the project manager for the company's first and only, at the time, computer vision product and, and camera product, of all things. So I had only one main customer instead of a bunch like I was used to, only one main product and project and technology. I stayed connected with the AV community through P2020, which is an IEEE working group who are writing the standards for image quality for any automotive applications. Shout out to my P2020 friends. Yes, if they're Um, listening, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm also a big LinkedIn person. You are. Um, So I followed the industry, really. I was such a stalker on LinkedIn. Um, And then I actually even went to the AutoSense online conference because this was during the pandemic, of course. So I just went to that to just to see what was new and say hi to some old friends. You know, how did it feel? I I was sad. I had total FOMO. I I missed knowing what everybody was up to and, and what developments in technology were going on. And this is, of course, at the same time that Tesla is rolling out their their FSD beta, you know, so controversial and and I'm sort of missing out on that whole conversation. And I, I did leave that job without having a new job yet. I needed some downtime, wanted to enjoy you know, my birthday month and yep. friends and family time. Um, I went on vacation, went to DC and a road trip up the coast of Maine. And then I, I wanted to take my time talking to people in the industry that I knew. And I really wanted to find the right engineering leadership role. Of course, Rob posted the biz dev role at my absolute favorite autonomous vehicle event company, Sense Media. Yes, and yes. so so I reached out within an hour <laughs> posting it and uh, it all worked out. It was It's a great fit. And now that you are back doing what you're passionate about and back in the action, your role with Sense Media is pretty expansive. Sarah, take us through your typical day and everything that's on your calendar right now. Yeah. Thanks for asking about that. 
You're welcome. Um, so I'm responsible for the AutoSense Academy, which is autonomous vehicle technology training geared towards industry professionals. The instructors are amazing. They are global experts in the topic that they're teaching and they're fine-tuned topics. And then the most fun for me are the live sessions. I get to get my little engineer hat on. Um, so every other week, we're hosting Ask the Instructor Q&A sessions. And so the participants go in and they talk about the types of problems they're working on solving. And, and they ask such good questions of the, the instructors. So I really enjoy that. It's fun for my curious engineer side. Of course, of um, course. I'm also responsible for AutoSense Plus, which is basically like a Netflix for autonomous vehicle engineers. So yes, that's another yes. fun one. Yes. And then finally, of course, in cabin. Well, the big um, one. Yes, this is the, this is a big one. Big one. Yeah. And when I say in cabin, I mean any sensing or HMI that goes inside of the vehicle. So basically where in cabin came from, and this is probably no surprise to a lot of people, there was just so much demand on the AutoSense agenda for in-cabin specific topics, likely influenced by the coming Euro NCAP uh, standards, that it really just had so much content It was and, and new community members, honestly. It was enough for it to have its own forum to bring those engineers together. The AutoSense team decided to launch a separate in-cabin event this year, starting in Brussels in September. Right. AutoSense will shift to focus specifically exclusively on exterior sensing tech and in-cabin will focus on anything inside the vehicle. So pretty exciting for our small team and for the industry. Yeah, for sure. And that has suddenly just across the whole industry moved up to the forefront in terms of the conversation. And to, to tell you the truth, the exhibitors are really coming in hot. They yeah. are going full force on demos, bringing cars and, and preparing to, to really make a huge splash. So mm -hmm. they're the leaders in the industry who have established brands or they have really established technology and they're just chomping at the bit. But I've gotten to wear my analyst hat a little bit. So when I meet with clients, I like to ask what makes them unique so I can get a feel for their position in the ecosystem. I've talked to people about neuromorphic sensing, sensing smells and taste. If you happen to see our focus session, I, I have a company who has a different response than our focus panel did as far as the driving under the influence detection. There's interior radar, there's right. camera, of course, child detection, of course, that's a big, big one. Yes. Um, and vital sign monitoring, that's another one uh, folks don't uh, think about right. as much, but monitoring your vital signs to make sure you're not having a heart attack or something like that. Right, right. A lot of it sounds like brand new technology, but it's actually well-established. It's just implemented for other use cases or other industries. So I'm pretty excited to see all the cool, cool demos and what comes out of it. Moving from the industry to the consumer side, you believe in the importance of consumer education when it comes to ADAS and that consumer education will help unlock more of the benefits of ADAS. Can you share your vision with us on this topic and then why ADAS education, Sarah, is so important to you? You know, when I first started at BSI and I was driving the Tesla for the first time, I was so excited to drive the Tesla. Um, yeah. But I was also really nervous because mm -hmm. you're driving a computer around. Despite an electrical engineering degree, uh, I still felt like it was a totally foreign landscape. Right. And I had an AV engineer sitting with me in the car who, before we started, showed me each thing that I would need to press and coached me on when I would press it and when it wouldn't work and when it would work. 
But I mean, consider people who don't have an engineering degree or an engineer sitting in the car with them. They're figuring it out on their own. They're doing it on the roadway. So I have four points about what I'd like to see. So yes, let's hear them. Standardized nomenclature. Come on, guys. We have so many different terms just for the ADAS features. It's confusing even for those of us in the industry. Okay, what's the difference between intelligent and adaptive? And it's it's the same, right? Oh, it's not the same. And no, wait, it is the same, right? It you're right, Sarah. And so many people just turn it off or ignore it because they don't know what's going on. It's too annoying. I don't understand it. Right. There is an amazing resource. It's a website and it's called My Car Does What? My Car Does What? And this website shows you all of the different names and icons for ADAS features in your vehicle and even other little notifications. It tells you the limitations of these features, which I think is so incredibly important to understand. So the website will tell you when they will and won't work. So, okay. So number two, we need some entities to take some initiative in teaching people how to use these features. I have a, yeah, so 2015 Subaru, it's got adaptive cruise control, my favorite feature. And that can be dangerous when it's used incorrectly. So unless you're sitting there reading your owner's manual, which nobody is doing, um, you're not, you might put yourself in a situation you don't understand you can put yourself in. And then of course we bought that car used. So nobody, you know, the previous owner didn't offer to show us how to use those features. And in the US, we just got $17 billion dedicated to road safety. And so let's put some of that money towards investing in educating people about the technology in their cars, which could be as simple as a DOT or a a civil engineering firm organizing a bring your car to the park day and then have OEM reps there to show consumers how the technology in their car works and what it does. Yeah, that would be. And even as a member of the automotive industry, I would go to something like that. That's cool. It would be cool. Thank you. Okay. So then number three, and this is maybe your sweet spot, Carl, car car dealers. Car dealers. Yes. We need to train the car dealers to train their customers. Yes. You know, you sell more when your customers understand the value of the features you are selling them, especially those convenience features for goodness sake. So when you buy a car, I want the car dealer to teach you what features you have and how to enable them and when you shouldn't use them. Yeah, I really like that. And even though I don't work at a dealership anymore, it's how I got my start in the business, but I don't work at a dealership anymore. I still try to keep up though with all of the happenings in automotive retail. And I know that entire space right now is really poised for some big changes especially around how customers will interact with the dealership staff in the showroom. Now is a really good time to implement the training that you're proposing. What's your fourth one? Number four is, come on, consumers. We've got to take a little bit of initiative to learn the features in our cars. It's so worth it. And think of your car like your phone. This is a piece of technology. And when you learn, you know how good it feels when you learn that new little feature on your phone and it it just makes a big impact on your experience. It's the exact same thing with these technology cars. Discover something new about your car. Everything you've been saying, there is a link back to your childhood. Your parents are small business owners and they modeled a lot of values before you at an early age. So Sarah, take us back to when you were a kid with your parents, when you were growing up and talk about how that shaped the person that you are today. 
Oh my gosh. I am so proud to come from a small family business. My parents run a painting business. So my dad paints houses. My mom is the office side. My dad didn't do any advertising. It was all word of mouth and he would do like a lawn sign in your yard. What he instilled in me is if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And your reputation is your success. Go the extra mile and take care to understand your customers. And this benefited me hugely working at BSI and on any engineering projects. You've got to dig into what the customer wants and and then you've got to do a better job than what they're expecting. You have to do better than what, than what you promised them. And that's how you build your, your personal brand. And that's how you have an impact on your industry. Sarah, to younger women who are looking at automotive or maybe even just engineering or technology in general, doesn't have to be automotive specifically, what advice would you offer them? Okay. Obviously, super passionate about this topic. Um, right. I have kind of a fun little comment, which is I bought this drawing of the evil queen Ravenna from um, the Huntsman and she's wearing her crown and she sort of, she has her hands together and kind of looks like she's praying. And my sister asked me, what do you think she's praying for? And I said, other women in leadership. (laughs) Right, right, right. So, So be prepared to be the only gal around. I mean, be prepared for that. And you don't expect that maybe to be a leadership role being the only gal. But it is. It is a leadership role. You're leading the dynamic in your company of what it's going to be like to have women on board and how that's going to change things for the better. Make allies with everyone you can internally and externally from your company, your clients, everybody. Make male allies. Male, it's a male dominated industry for us. So we need male allies. And if you're a man, be a good ally to women. Find women in your world who you respect who you can use as an example to navigate how to be or how to manage certain situations because things do come across differently between men and women sometimes. So if you can find a a good example of a strong woman in your community, when you're not sure how to handle something, have as an example, that's really helpful. And don't be afraid to be girly. If you're girly, be girly. You'll find me in hot pink nails and heels <laughs> talking about the real housewives. You'll be surprised how many men will talk back to you about the real housewives. Right, they watch right, too. right. Um, so that's big. And then apply to speak at conferences. I would be very happy to see more women as speakers on their expertise. We right. see a lot of, oh, you're a woman. Do you want to talk about being a woman in tech? And that's great, but let's talk about what we're actually working on and our actual expertise, but you need to apply to speak. Don't wait to get invited. Go find call for papers. Check out Women in Autonomy. Women in Autonomy. They are amazing and they're always posting opportunities. They work with conference companies on opportunities for women speakers. We interviewed Indu Vijayan on Autovision News Radio, by the way. And uh, she's just she's awesome. So awesome. All all those those gals over there are amazing. Yeah. Women autonomy is fantastic. Yeah. And they have a mentorship program too. So if Mm -hmm. you're a young woman interested in this field, the mentorship program is perfect. And then lastly, I want to say you will stand out whether you want to or not because you're a woman in a room full of men. So use it to your advantage. There's nothing wrong with that. Stand out in a really positive way. Share your ideas. Ask lots of questions. That's how people know that you're engaged. And then they'll start asking you questions because they know that you're engaged. 
and they're going to start being engaged with you back. So stand out. Last question, but a super important one. As you know, I'm a loyal Detroit Lions fan. You are a Vikings fan married to a Packers fan. And Ryan, hello, if you're listening. All three of us, you, me, and Ryan, stuck in the NFC North with the Chicago Bears. But what happens in your house on Sunday? What happens when the Vikings and the Packers play? What do you and Ryan do? Well, we've come to an agreement that if we're not playing each other, then we support each other's team. That's good. His actually second favorite team is the Vikings. My second favorite team is Seattle. Not just because of how mad it makes Packers fans when you talk about how great Seattle is. It does. It's uh, fun. But I had a a connection to the the kicker there essentially. So I kind of I kind of favor them. Plus they're a fun team. Yeah. But if we can agree on anything as a Lions fan and a and a Vikings fan, it's that we're way better. Packers fans are so annoying. I mean right. With right. the clapping and the shouting all the time. And I mean, come on. It's hat. just a first down. I mean, yeah. that cheese hat. Uh, maybe one day we'll see an NFC championship game between the Vikings and the Lions. Yeah, I'm down for that. We are long overdue for a Super Bowl as Lions and Vikings fans. Yes, overdue <laughs> is a very fair statement. We're, we're working on it. We'll get yeah. there. Sarah, I, from all of us here at AutoVision News, we want to thank you for sharing your life and sharing your expertise. I am very much looking forward to seeing you talking about autonomous vehicles and talking about football <laughs> you know, at, uh, at both uh, the AutoSense and in-cabin conferences. Sarah, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Carl. To learn more about the AutoSense conference and the AutoSense Academy, visit auto-sense.com. That's auto-sense.com. You can also join the discussion via the AutoSense Twitter page and LinkedIn profile. Just search AutoSense. That's auto, then sense, spelled S-E-N-S. To learn more about InCabin, a brand new event and community for the automotive industry, visit auto-sense.com backslash InCabin. In Detroit with Sarah Sargent, I'm Carl Anthony, AutoVision News Radio.